Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, and we exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Today, uh, we are actually piloting work in progress in our new studio. We do have um, a group during this recording, so if you hear random yells or screams, that's not us. Ben, maybe it's you. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, but we are in the middle of a series called Why Do I Still Follow Jesus? I am here with my friend, Ben Desneski. Did I get get close? Close. That's what we're... Denzeski. 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 You know, I I tried... So I had the honor to officiate Ben and his wife's Kelsey weddings Mm. this summer. And I always try to remember the three syllables. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it on the day. So I believe I nailed yeah. it on the day, but not at the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. It's in that short-term memory uh, loop. So, um, yeah. What we say is den. It's like you're going to say zest, but you don't say zest. You just say zesky. I love so, it for anyone out there. Well, Ben, it's great to have you. We we love it. Excellent so, to be here. So we're in this series. Why do I still follow Jesus? And really, it's about like radical stories of faith. And mm. I think you have a pretty powerful one. Before we jump in, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, well, you know, I can I can take it back to the very beginning. You know, <laughs> I um, I actually the first church that I attended in my life was uh, Browncroft Community Church when I was just a little kid. Uh, so I went to Sunday school here and all these things. Right, grew up in Arundacoit, went to um, West Arundacoit schools. Um, you know, uh, transitioned from Browncroft to uh, Bethel Christian Fellowship. Um, had spent some of my preteen years there. Um, yeah, got involved in sports as I grew older. Loved basketball. Played football for a little while. Um, eventually became a runner. Right. I don't know if I'm moving through my younger years too quickly, but that's that's kind of that's the early. That's been the early years. Um, you know, have always loved uh, history. My family goes on a lot of history-based vacations. Um, and then, you know, eventually graduated from Arundacoit High School, um, went to Union College. Um, you know, at, the, at that time in my life, high school, college, right? I'm not really attending church um, or going to church regularly, right, or reading my Bible. Um, and then uh, eventually after that, I spend some time deciding what I want to do. And I end up going to grad school in California, uh, UC Santa Cruz. Go banana slugs. <laughs> Go banana slugs. What a slugs. great <laughs> mascot. <laughs> yeah. It can't be too inspiring for the athletes, um, but I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah. And then that kind of takes me to my point where I return to Rochester um, and you know, through, throughout this time, do, do you want me to kind of start moving into my, my, my testimony, my struggle? Why don't you, uh, just close the loop on like maybe the last five years, just give it a quick oh, update. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, then, um, through a series of events, I end up joining a small group, uh, a Browncroft small group. Um, and I'm attending Browncroft irregularly. Um, and it turns out, uh, that my now wife was the leader of that small group. Um, and that's where I met her. Um, and yeah, so that, that that's I was uh, married this past summer, as you mentioned, um, which was amazing. And 
Um, now I am both teaching um, and I work in uh, local journalism in Rochester. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that little background. So let's, um, let's kind of start here. Um, if you were to kind of sum up in a word of why you still follow Jesus, what do you think that word would be? Um, it could be tough to just do a single word, but I would say his, his promises, his promises. Can you say a little bit more? Uh, yes, I, I, I can. Um, I have found for someone who stumbled so far off of the path, right? I accepted the Lord into my life when I was very young, when I was three years old. I can remember the moment being in my bedroom alone, right? I think I might have been uh, prompted by a, a sermon that week or maybe an Adventures in Odyssey episode. Always good. I don't know if that's still kicking around, um, right? But over the course of my young life, over the course of my teenage years and into my 20s, right, I, I strayed away from God. I rejected right what i knew to be true and when i came back when i wanted to restart get back onto you know the path with god right he was right there he was right there um you know some uh 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 passage in the Bible that even when i was irregularly attending church maybe 5 years ago that the lord kept bringing me to a Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Right. And that word sought, right. We're doing the active seeking of God. Right. And then he is there, right. That deliverance comes right second in that verse. Right. So for me, you know, taking that leap of faith to join a small group really after all these years away from church in general, right, was, and then it, you know, immediately was met with God's presence, right? And then what's the next step and what's the next step? And just the fact that his promises, right, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to keep my promises as human Ben, right? But God is always going to keep his promises to me, right? The kind of the, the prodigal son, right? Undeserving of mm. that love upon my return, right? But it's there waiting. Mm. So, so let's, let's kind of back up. Um, you go to UC Santa Cruz, mm. you're probably what, 22 or? Uh, 20, yep, yeah, 22, 23. 22, yeah. 23. Um, describe what Ben was like back then but also mm. describe kind of where you were on your thoughts about God. Mm. Yeah. Ben at that time um, was always the same, right? Fun loving, likes to joke around Ben, right? So many of the, the qualities that I have now I had then of course. Right. But also I was, you know, in my younger life, my late teens, early twenties, just going through, you know, a lot of pain and a lot of, anger right and these aren't necessarily because i went through several you know i did have things that went on in my own life right but it wasn't because i was living in a war-torn country or things like that right very much self-inflicted 
things, right? Um, and dealing with my anger about the world or my my status in life or where I am or where I'm headed, right? In inappropriate ways, right? And and turning to substances, drugs, and alcohol, right? In order to combat a lot of these feelings, right? Instead of, you know, instead of now, you know, bringing my my sorrows and my concern, right, to to Jesus, right, or to the foot of the cross, right. I was bringing them to to man-made solutions, right, and that <clears throat> not only had a negative effect on my physical health, right, but really had a a, a, a harsh effect on my my spiritual health, mm. right. It just it's counter those things are counterproductive, right, to to well-being. We know that in general, right, but certainly. Um, spiritually, um, was just in a period of being lost and just dealing with things, um, the wrong way. And at the same time, having no real desire in turning back towards the Lord, right? Cause my heart had hardened right to the church setting, right? To, you know, having to let's, you know, follow a narrow path. Right, that narrow path or the narrow gate that Jesus talks about in Matthew. Right, I had no, no real interest in that, um, and kind of wanted to live my life um, my way, hmm. right, and and seek out the world. Hmm. You know, I'll say. If if you feel comfortable, be specific with what you're angry, what you were angry at, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably were angry at they are currently angry at similar mm. things. Uh, yeah, no, I'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Like, <laughs> you're, you're basically like, go yeah, on. Yeah, I was just driving over here and I was, yeah. um, you know, especially, you know, we're all familiar with, you know, let's say the contemporary United States, right? The past 10 years, what's happened in our country, right? So certainly, you know, politics, injustice, right? Even things that you might consider a noble anger, right? Uh, seeing the inequalities in our world, right? And not really seeing a solution for that, right? Also in my own life, pitying myself, right? I don't make enough money or I'm not where I should be. I just, I just I've done all these things. Why aren't, why isn't everything adding up for me? Right. Why, why, why aren't I getting what I deserve? Mm. Right. Why, you know, so both um, external and internal, right. Uh, not seeing the results that I want in my own life, or at least what I think I should be seeing in my own life. Right. Can, can I just kind of play on that a little bit? Yeah. I think you and I are very close in age mm. and, um, so just as a headline to our topic, I I feel like when I grew up in the church, the mm. American dream mm. and the gospel were were kind of intermingled and, and I, I don't I don't think anybody did it on purpose. I mm. just think these like if you work hard and you go to college, mm. you'll get a job. And you know, I grew up where IBM was, International Business Machine. And all of a sudden, in 2005, when I graduated mm. high school, 2006, seven, and eight, we go through this huge economic downturn. Mm. And it was like, well, just get a job. And it's like, well, it's 
fairly hard to get a job and mm. the job that you get it's not like huge benefits so were th- were those kind of the things that you were struggling with i mean does that mm. resonate with like like i've been sold this bill of goods not mm. necessarily from a person mm. and you're telling me just you know just do the right things mm. and you can have the american dream uh yeah no i completely identify with that right especially thinking uh from a generational perspective right with the generation that we were raised by right there were a plethora of jobs available right when you graduated high school or i've done a a, a, a extensive research um on Kodak through some of my graduate work, right? And you could just graduate high school and walk down the road and have a sustainable living, right, for the rest of your life and a retirement plan and healthcare and all these things, right? But now it's it's a little bit more of a moving target sometimes, right? And and I know translating that to my own teenage years, right, kind of the beginning of my rebellion, right, straight A's meant to me that I could behave how I wanted to, right? I'm performing academically and, to, and that appears to be the measure of success, right? At least at this point in my life um, to walk into the next point in my life, right? So as long as I'm performing in that way, right, I'm on a successful path um, and the other extraneous things are important. Um, But yeah, thinking about that, right, thinking about uh, the American dream, right, it's not something that's always possible or something that's always guaranteed, right? Kind of thinking about like the prosperity gospel, right? Like there's no, there's actually no guarantee, right? That we will always, you know, be living in the land of plenty, let's say. Um, But kind of from, you know, that worldly perspective or growing up in the metrics of our success, right? It's like, what's, what's happening? I did everything that I was supposed to do. And where's my, you know, where's my harvest? Where's my results? Mm. You know, where's my portion of this, of, of this, uh, uh, you know, wealth or, you know, these other things that we, we hunt for, right? When we're not focused on the Lord. Okay. That, I think that's really helpful. And let me, um, so how long were you in Santa Cruz? I was in Santa Cruz from fall 2015 to spring 2017. So tell us like what happened when you moved back to Rochester? Like mm. what were you thinking? What were you feeling? You know? Um, well, I mean, on a, on a, on a more basic level, I mean, let's face it. Coastal California's beautiful every day you could just you go outside or you know you drive down the road and it's just like wow this is exactly this is exactly what they said it would be so you know so coming back to a colder place right is never fun um but also just not having a lot of direction right i i literally have a master's degree at that point so i have some professional credibility right but what do i actually do with it um, you know, what options are on the table for me. So I actually started just to make money while I was looking for a more full-time job. I did, um, the Instacart grocery shopping, right? So I'm kind of wandering around doing odd jobs, right? And, and things aren't really going the way that I had expected, right? So just not seeing really the, the, the fruits of what I had done, right? I'd, 
as I had done in years leading up to that, you know, really invested a lot of my time in drinking, right, and using different drugs, right, and just really started to fall into kind of a, a pit, an unsustainable existence, um, just of self self medicating. Right of putting a put trying to put a bandaid on my on my arm that had fallen off. Right, it's <laughs> just not going to do the job. So, I think that's pretty powerful, mm. um, and I just appreciate that authenticity. Mm. Um, you know, were you did you feel isolated when you were kind of going through mm. substances, or you know, did you have friends that were like? Because I I think. What I'm hearing, and I could be wrong, you go to Union College, which is far away from Rochester. Mm. You're a great friend, mm. you know. Um, you're going to Santa Cruz, mm. you know, and I'm sure everywhere you made friends. Mm. But th there's a part of me that, like, I'm trying to put the connection to your stories. Mm. The A-plus kid that thinks he can do whatever he wants, mm. which is this odd thing, who's also jovial, mm. who's also kind compassionate like every person i talk to that knows you like mm. salt of the earth first phone call and it just kind of seemed like this was an area of your life that i don't know it just seemed isolated is that mm. a good way to kind of yeah no i appreciate you hitting on that because it's actually integral to what what we're talking about right the substance abuse kind of arises in a fun a fun environment right it it starts as maybe on fridays and saturdays you're just you, you just you know let off some steam with your friends right and then that seems like an effective way to feel better right so it can start in that social setting but then it turns into you know what you need on a regular basis right to kind of mend your feelings or put away your anxiety or put away your your stress about the day right and then it becomes quite an isolated activity right and it's easiest to use and abuse substances uh, when no one's watching, right? When there's no accountability, no other eyeballs, right? So especially, you know, so that so then it becomes this whole process of hiding everything, right? And it went from something that was, you know, maybe not right, but a more innocent based fun with your buds right to something that becomes a lifestyle of lies and secrecy right living in living living in the shadows if you will right you're it's a double life in many ways um yeah so a lack of community right and and really feeling like you're on your own uh 100 plays into to that lifestyle and so obviously you felt that yeah um, yeah, I did. I did. Um, yeah, just a lack of community. Right. And also, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I certainly did feel isolation, right. Even if it was, you know, you have your coworkers at work, right. But, you know, no, you know, no really intimate 
connections with other people, right? Or no relationship building, let's say, right? It's just kind of people, people that are passing by while I'm trying to make myself feel better, right? So we're, we're going to kind of go in different directions, mm. but I kind of like following the chronologicalness of yeah. your life. So uh, you work in media now and about the same time mm. you start working for media, you all of a sudden find yourself back at church mm. and <laughs> to your surprise, maybe, I mean, what were you thinking in the terms of I'm angry at God, I'm angry at the United States, mm. I'm angry at, you know, the, the world, so to speak. Mm. Hey, let's give a small group a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It might it might seem like a a wild choice at that time, right? But thinking back to that foundation I ha had established with God when I was a little boy, right? Even if it was on the farthest burner back in my mind, right? There still is that lingering aspect of you know, ultimately, I think that even though I'm not doing anything associated or related to God, my faith, church, right, I still know that that is the truth, the way, and the life, right? Even if I am not interested in it whatsoever, I still acknowledge that, right? Because that that was the one of the foundations of my upbringing and my life, right? And I had a close friend a close friend, um, Naomi, who invited me to come uh, to a couple services at Browncroft, right? And although maybe I wasn't in a position where I could fully hear or fully connect with what was going on, right? As soon as I came back, right, the just being in worship service really started to, to melt my heart, mm -hmm. right? Because I hadn't been in the presence a community or, or with the people of God in the presence, in his presence, right? So just coming back to church and being a worship services and hearing the, some of the lyrics in different songs, right? Like you turn graves into gardens, right? Or, you know, Jaira, you're enough, right? Or um, how much more does he love you, right? Phrases we're familiar with from these songs, right? Because we sing them so much, but coming back, coming in cold, right? It's like these, this is my, you know, I'm in my spiritual grave, right? To th and this could, there is hope, right? So just the, the slow, the kneading of my heart, if you will, right? Really started when I came back to church, right? And a lot of times in worship, I would just cry, right? I wouldn't even really be able to sing too much. I would just be crying, right? Because my heart had just become so hard, right? To all of these things, but slowly just being poked with love, right? It really coaxed me, or I think coaxed is the wrong word, but it really brought me to a place where my heart and my spirit were fertile for other things from the Lord, right? So just the act of coming back to church even though I was like I don't you know am I gonna have to give up am I gonna have to stop hanging out with my friends or am I gonna have to stop change my entire entire life you know the 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 answer is no right but obviously all of these things are reframed by my my reinstated relationship with Jesus right so I think I I, I, tr I tried to go with your question there I, I, think, I think that that's powerful because I think what I hear you saying mm -hmm. is there are a lot of people that feel like 
they have to land before they take a significant spiritual step. Mm. Um, and I, I think my concern for millennials and even Gen Z is you can deconstruct or doubt ever, and a lot of it's legitimate. Like I just, Hey, the church has failed. Like mm. I'm a pastor. I work like I've failed as a leader, mm. but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least take a step. And sometimes like you'd be surprised at what happens when you just show up to church on a Sunday morning, mm. you're not the first person that said, I walked into church, I heard the music and I started crying. There, mm. There's something more kind of going on. Mm. So I think that that's powerful. Would, or were you going to say something or? Um, I don't think so, but what can, I mean, what something that does come to mind as you say that is, um, you know, I did, I joined my small group in uh, February 2020, right? So it was an interesting time, right, to join a small group, obviously, because we as soon were on uh, Zoom, right? But even when we were on Zoom, I was just so excited, right, to get to that Zoom meeting, right? Because it was just so different, right? These people are coming together tonight because they care about each other, right? And they're genuinely interested in each other's well-being because of their love of Jesus and Jesus's love for them, right? That's just so, I think, you know, if we've been Christians for years and years and decades, right, that's so commonplace, right? But that's actually so radical, right? People coming together in the name of love, right? That's, that's not something you just stumble into walking down the street, right? So just the, the, the energy that that brought to my life, the new purpose that that brought, Right. Just in a situation where, you know, it says, it's, you know, it says in Psalms, I think it's in Psalms, right? My, my sin was like a, a burden too heavy to bear. Right. And just having, feeling new life, feeling new energy, right. In the, in the midst of that, right. There, you know, there wasn't when, you know, when I started in my small group, right. I still very much had my foot in that other camp, right. That other life. Right. But just feeling this, this new way. Um, you know, which obviously is, is in part things of the Holy spirit working in your life. And it just, it just was a very exciting time. You, you know, it's crazy about mm. that. Um, we interviewed Kelsey oh, about your uh, small group and Kelsey, oh, okay. your wife and small group leader. We interviewed her. I want to say it was like March or April. Well, mm. it had to be more springish mm. because your small group was really just a powerful example of that. I mean, mm you you were zooming but you were also going to food link mm. and you were finding ways to serve and i mean that's just pretty powerful mm. we're going to come back to that because i have mm. a few questions for you about that but there's a lot of people that they hear stories about people coming back to follow jesus mm. and um i grew up pentecostal so like i heard it all the time mm. so someone would be like i i was an alcoholic i was into drugs mm. and i came to know jesus and my addictions went away, mm. my life got better, I got a job, you know, I got, you know, and then I got married. Mm. Uh, knowing you, I, I think I would almost say, coming to follow Jesus, your life got a lot better, mm. there's specific, but it actually got a lot harder. Mm. So talk about that process of kind of, you're joining a church, it's the coronavirus, and all of a sudden now you're making some huge spiritual shifts in your life. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, most certainly. Um, right. Because like I said, I still, uh, you know, even after coming back to church, even after having some of these exciting things go- going on, right. Still, you know, substance abuse, um, and addiction, right. Is a, is a physical habit, right. So it's still something that you're battling with every single day. And then we go into lockdown, right. Or, you know, for, for a while it was lockdown, but certainly even after lockdown, right. It's, it's a, it's a, a limited social world, right. So to speak. So that isolation piece that we were talking about is still ever present, right. If you're hanging out with people, right. It's, you're going on walks, right. You're not, really spending time inside or time where you could even really see each other's faces. Right. So still this struggle between, you know, what I had self-taught to remedy my life. Right. And this new path that seems, um, promising, right? And not a new path, but a path that I'm rejoining, right? That seems promising, filled with energy and love, right? But it's also um, a challenge in a way, right? Because it means saying goodbye to my former self, right? Um, And, you know, as we know, just from our human ways, right? We love ourselves. We love being who we are, right? So kind of of, um, pushing pushing the the self that I had created out the door, right, was extremely challenging, Mm. right? And I remember, you know, when we were dating, just uh, when Kelsey and I were dating, just I was so thankful for her as a friend to me at those times, right? I was was undeserving of all the care that she gave me, right? Because I was still acting inappropriately at times, right? And seeking the wrong fixes to my problems, you know, whether emotional or otherwise, right? So just this this battle between these two these two paths, um, which eventually, um, you know, I can I can after I guess I could go into what eventually happened, right? As I really came to a place, right? And um, I guess the where this kind of took a foothold is was actually doing Rooted, right? Rooted talks about uh, spiritual death, right? Or, or that when, you know, things go that far astray, how that could occur, right? And it just hit me that that's, what, that's where I'm headed, right? I know that, you know, maybe... You know, um, I have this lingering relationship with God from my childhood, right? But I know that, you know, eventually the decisions that I have made will be final and permanent, right? So that's that's going to lead to my spiritual death, right? And that's a very serious, tragic, terrible thing. And I knew even with my addiction, right? I knew even with all these things that I think were good for me, right? That that is not what I want for my life, right? I, I want to, you know, have a family. I want to fall in love, right? I want all these other things. Not that, not that those are the promises of God necessarily, right? But I knew that there was better for me. Mm. Eventually coming to a place where I have to make the really difficult decision to say, I'm putting these substances behind me, right? Because and it's not an easy decision, right? Because you're giving up your fun, right? You're giving up your your high. You're giving up your way to feel good immediately, 
right? So that is not an easy decision whatsoever. People may look from the outside and say, well, they're objectively bad for you, right? That's, you know, that's a, just a logical decision, right? It's really not, right? Because it's, it's embedded in your life in so many different, all the strata of your life, right? It, it's woven its way in. So it's really not easy. But um, I remember, I remember the, right, the, the night that I finally said no, right, which was um, in August 2021, right? And it's not that, you know, it, it's not that I went from 100 to zero on that day, right? But I went from, I went to zero, let's say. Um, and it felt... Uh, so good. It felt so good because I can be honest with the person that I'm in love with now, right? I can go around and not have that cloud above me. But I'm saying all this to say, right, the next month, and you actually reminded me before we sat down here, right, that two years ago today I was baptized, right? Mm -hmm. And um, today's the 18th, today's the 19th, right? September 19th. Right. So finally saying no in August, right. Getting baptized in September. Right. And I was reflecting on this, just the way that I felt sitting in that back hallway after getting baptized, feeling like I had crossed a finish line. Right. Or maybe I was at the starting line. Right. Hard to say, but feeling as though I had passed a threshold of peace. Right. Um, from there, from there, um, right, and something I didn't know is that throughout this time that I'm, use, I'm abusing drugs and alcohol, right, I had undiagnosed sleep apnea, which was something that Kelsey came to quickly realize when we started dating. She's like, if we watch TV, you fall asleep, <laughs> like, during the day. I'm like, oh, yeah. So anyway, so, right, shortly after my baptism, I get my CPAP machine, um, you know, it's just kind of the, that, you know, just kind of this, this timing, right? I get my CPAP machine, my health improves, I can function, I can wake up in the morning, right? I can wake up when I need to, right? And then a few months after that, out of the blue in January, 2022, I get, um, contacted, right, saying that there's a need for an adjunct professor in the communication department at Roberts Wesleyan, right? And from there, I've been teaching for the last four semesters, right? But thinking about that timeline a little bit, right, and thinking about the importance of the choices that I made that were heavily influenced by the Holy Spirit working in my life, right? That fertility of my heart that I mentioned, right? All of these things, as hard as they were, as hard as that process was, these things started to unfold, right? And bringing back to the beginning of the conversation, his promises, right? His promises, um, right? I had applied to so many jobs in the past 10 years, right? And getting one or two, right? I had not applied or even shown interest in these adjunct professor positions. And one day they just came, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not saying that because I committed, recommitted my life to God, I was offered these things, right? But at the same time, right, there was a just returning, right? 
recommitting my life to God, right? He can open doors in five seconds that I couldn't open in 50 years, right? So I'm, I've, been, I've been going on. I'm going to no, let no, you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's super powerful because I'm, I'm going to talk as a pastor and a friend mm. now because um, I don't think we've had this conversation. Mm. We just have a couple thousand people that are mm. listening and watching <laughs> us. Because when when I think about those two years, like mm. from we'll just say August, tw- or um, you know, February twenty twenty mm. to almost you know the start of twenty two, mm. I, I think about everything that you went through, mm. um, kind of a lonely substance abuse mm. process. You do great work for the media mm. locally, you know, here in Rochester that was not an easy time to cover the media. Mm. Um, you were besides COVID, which rocked us there. It's polarizing. Mm. You know, we had the Daniel Prude protests, Mm. which was polarizing. And as you know, your role as media is to be the front lines, Mm. which was not an easy place to be. It was, I, it was extremely stressful. Mm. I mean, you part of working in media is the work hours, um, you have to work when the things are happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of those times, you know, I, I would see a Twitter post at like 12, one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going through that, uh, you're dating Kelsey, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, but it's a whole, mm-hmm. you know, it's a whole new experience. And, you know, just to kind of hear you have that perspective, because mm-hmm. I don't think what you and I are saying is why do I still follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, and you've said this a couple of times, uh, you know, I got married, I got the job, mm. but what you began to realize was like God and his grace was coming to you. Cause to me, hearing your story, d- pretending not to be your friend or your pastor mm. for a moment, it's a miracle you survived those two years. Mm. Like, it's just, it's a miracle, mm. but like I can see moments that God brought the right people, mm. the right circumstances. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm kind of going off there, but I just, cause like, I think it's important for our listeners to piece this all. This was not an easy process mm. for you to decide to follow you. Like mm-hmm. as awesome as Roberts was, mm. there were still really hard news reports that mm. probably resonated with some of your anger mm. at God, at the church. Um, I don't know. Does that right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and I appreciate you bringing that up, right? Because it was such a tough time to be working in local journalism, local news, right? Just because no matter, uh, your political affiliation, right. Or your identity, right. You're probably not happy with the news during this time, (laughs) right. Uh, one way or the other, right. So you kind of carry that stigma with you as a journalist. Um, But also just the shift um, that I work 2.30 to 11.30 in local news, right, in in um, in 2020 and 2021, um, right, we have these uh, soaring soaring homicide numbers um, in Rochester, right? And I'm kind of on the front lines of that, right? Responding to a lot of these different scenes, right? And seeing the pain, right? That the the community is in, right? Or seeing the, the sobbing mother rush towards the crime tape, right? Also the, 
the social unrest that we had, right, ignited by, you know, these these situations ending in tragedy between the police, right, and, and community members, right, resulting in public outcry, right, the, a lot of emotion, um, sadness, anger, right, about the state of our society, the way that we operate. Um, and it was extremely challenging to be in those moments, right? I consider it a learning experience, right? And ultimately, I value that I was there, right? Because I was kind of the front lines of what the cultural conversation at that time, right? So it was extremely challenging to, to be around all of these, the, these things that are happening in this time, right? But, you know, ultimately... Maybe in some way it helped point me towards wow. towards God a little, right? Because there's no, right? There's no solution for this, right? The things that were going on, we can, as a society, or as I keep saying the word society, right? As community, as whatever word you want to use, we can apply some level of of scotch tape and a band aid to this, right? But there's no actual solution to this, right? But we know that there is one solution. Right. And that's Jesus and his love. Right. And his action in our own lives. Right. And maybe I'm maybe I'm not even going to be able to have a discussion with about Jesus in these situations with people or not even that I was thinking about doing it at that time. Right. But just just looking for, you know, Lord, where where are you in these things? Right. Or having that reflection afterwards. Right. Lord, how 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 are you using this experience to to transform me, right? I'm not saying that I was actively thinking that at that time, right? But kind of in reflection, right? That's how I think about it a little bit. Wow. That's just super powerful. I'm going to say something and you tell me <clears throat> if it resonates or if you, <clears throat> if you disagree. So you've mentioned the prodigal son <clears throat> um, and how that kind of has an impact on your life. <clears throat> Would you say people loved me back to Jesus? Hmm. Or would you say something else for a one line? People loved me back to Jesus. You know, I think that that is definitely true because just the, the faces that come to me when I think about that question, right? Whether it was um, my friend who invited me back to church or Kelsey, who was, you know, before we even were deeply romantically involved, was a friend to me, right? Or someone who really uh, took care of me when I started kind of coming back to Browncroft a little bit was Rebecca Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. she, she was a friend to me, right? And somewhere that I felt out of place, right? And eventually we got to know each other better, right? And along that path, right? All of these people who, right? And that's right? That leap of faith, that step to say, I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to start coming to church, even if irregularly, right? And be the taking that step, all of these people come into my path, right? Mm -hmm. All and to lend a, to lend a helping hand, right? Or at least to show me Jesus's love in the ways that they are capable of, right? Or within their sphere of influence, right? To, to look out and not right. Like the prodigal son, right? That nobody needed to do that, right? Nobody, nobody needed to, to help me, right? But that's Jesus's 
love, right? That motivates those, those actions by others. So I would say that that, that does resonate with me. Um, definitely. So as we kind of come to a close, this mm. is, I feel like we're just having coffee and we're just mm. recording this. Um, so you talked a lot about the promises of God and usually what I find helpful is I have to first identify the lie, um, the lie that I believe about mm. myself for the promises of God to resonate. Um, so, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, the lies that I believe about myself. Mm. Um, I'm only good if I'm producing um, and how God is like, I love you just the way you are. Like I'm mm. not enough. Um, and there's certain lies that I've had to identify. If you could pull out one or two lies that you've believed about yourself. And the truth is I, I'm not past the lies mm. I believe about, you know, they, they rear their ugly head. Yeah. What do you think might be those one or two lies and how did the promises of God how is that shifting the way you see yourself? Um, yeah. So immediately you saying that makes me think about how, right, s s when our sin really puts us, we put ourselves in a box with our sin, right? And and the, the shame of our sin kind of keeps us there, right? And then those lies start to emerge, right? I'm only, I'm not good enough for this, right? Or I'm just a stupid alcoholic, right? I'm just going to keep making bad decisions, right? Or, you know, I'm never really going to end up with somebody that loves me, right? Because I'm out of shape, right? And I'm, I'm sp spending half my time you know, trying to just seek worldly pleasure, right? It's none of these things are going to come to me, really. I might as well just stay with what I'm doing, right? And the, the you know, just re repeating myself, the the shame, right, that, that you let dwell over you, right, and shape you, and it creates boundaries around you, right? And what you're willing to think is possible, right? Or it keeps in place those lies about yourself. Um, yeah. And as you mentioned, right, still something, still something to be worked through on a daily basis, right? Things that we can, we can seek out, right? The truth that counters that, right? In God's word, right? In prayer, right? In all these different ways um, that we can have, you know, work on our relationship with God, right? Really helps us fight out, punch out the walls of that box, right? And say, no, I am who God created me to be, right? These, these are falsehoods. So I'm going to push you a little bit for okay. the promise, but so I think one of the things that I've had to learn, um, is I've had to say, God is particularly fond of me. Hmm. I, I can resonate with God loves me, but that there's a duty and commitment, but the problem, like, like God, God likes you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe some other promises is God's present. Maybe it is, you know, you've said love a lot. Mm. Maybe it is God loves you, but what's the promise or, or a couple of the promises that you sit back there to kind of combat, like, you know, you said, I'm just a stupid alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Like, I can never have this life. I mean, when you think back, what was the the one or two promises that really resonated and brought you back? Hmm. I mean, 
when I think of God's promises, right, I think of our salvation, right? The, the fact that, right, no matter what I did, no matter, right, as the prodigal son, no matter what I did, wasting money, wasting time, focusing on the wrong things, right, God's promise of my salvation remains unbroken. Mm-hmm. And whether I was willing to return or not, God was there keeping his end of the promise. Um, and that's really what comes to mind for me. Um, do you want to push me push me more on that? I'm trying. No, I, I think that that's a great answer. Yeah. And I think even hearing you say that the promise was the invitation was always there. Mm. You know, and um, I just, I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible that we read to our daughters mm. says it, that like the father was waiting every single day. Um, and you think about that, like, what do you do with someone that's really angry and it's really hurt? Mm. You know, you don't come and combat them and be like, well, you think this the wrong way. No, mm. you, you, you know, you actually sit with that. Mm. And the, the shocking part of that story is, you know, the, the father doesn't even say anything, mm. comes and hugs. So I, I don't know. I think that that's pretty powerful what you just said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I feel hugged. <laughs> <laughs> I feel hugged. Um, right. And that's, uh, it, there's a, there's a kind of a, a lightheartedness to that. Right. But also right through this process. Right. I have just felt the embrace of God. Right. And that doesn't mean that while you're in that embrace, that everything is going to be perfect. Right. And your life's going to unfold exactly the way you want on a day to day basis. Right. But it does mean that you're tightly in his grasp. Right. And within his love. Right. And no matter what happens, he is there with you. Mm. That's a pretty powerful place to close this conversation. Mm. Um, Ben, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. If you search Ben Denzeski, I should appear. Um, yeah, those are my two main. Those are my two main <laughs> handles. You can find me walking around the South Wedge, right in the <laughs> Highland Park, <laughs> yeah, um, among other places, right. Or at, uh, uh, I'm always always looking for a good eatery, right. So if you do see me, please feel free to say hello i'm more than more than happy to speak with you say hello and buy him a good cup of coffee How yeah about that? please you yes you can find us at whygetwhypodcast.com you'll get this and every uh great other great episodes thank you so much for joining us